0: All right, we're going to finish a book tonight. Oh, you sound so excited. (laughs) Yeah, it's possible. It is possible. So we're going to be finishing up Obadiah. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Obadiah. Obadiah is kind of a unique prophetic book in that the prophet Obadiah is writing his book to uh, the nation of Edom. Uh, so we can remember last week, the nation of Edom is uh, Esau, his brother, um, Jacob and Esau. They've got a long history, right? Come from the same father. And so they, there was uh, an expected allegiance between the two brothers which become two nations, nation of Israel and the nation of Edom. When the nation of Israel goes into captivity in the Babylonian captivity, the Edomites helped the enemy. The Edomites helped Babylon. And if you remember last last time, was it last week? Week before? We talked about the reality that as people, as Jews, escaped the captivity the Edomites would gather them up and take them back into slavery. So God holds them responsible for, uh, for doing that to the nation of Israel. Even though God was judging Israel, he still judges the Edomites and how they um, behave toward their neighbor. And if you look at God's judgment of the nations, we have multiple prophets Every prophet has some part of the prophecy, which is an oracle to the nations. And when you have an oracle to the nations, the nations are judged on the way they behave toward their neighbor. For example, if they make false treaties and then go back on those treaties and, and the Lord holds them accountable for those choices that they made. The nation of Israel is judged based on their relationship to God. So the nation of Israel had a higher standard because to them much was given, right? And the scripture would, would tell us to whom much is given, much is required. Much is required. Okay, so, so they're going to be judged based on their relationship toward God. And the nations will be judged based on their relationship to their neighbor. Now both are parts of the law, right? You have to, the, the call to love God and you have the call to... Love your neighbor. Those both are laid out for us in the Torah. So the concepts are all laid out. Now, when we look at Obadiah, Obadiah's shortest book in the Old Testament. So this will officially be the quickest we ever get a book done because there won't be a shorter one. This is it 21 verses. You have the concept of brothers Edom, Jacob, and Esau. Okay? They are part of the seed of Abraham, right? There were certain promises that God laid out to the seed of Abraham. And the Lord holds Edom responsible for their their betrayal of their own kin. And so as such, they face this judgment. And the primary charge against Edom is they are full of pride and self-exaltation. And all the way through verse 14, our focus is Edom this, Edom this, Edom this. In verse 15, he says, for the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. Now Obadiah lifts up his head. He's looking beyond the relationship between Edom and Israel and the, and the judgment that would come upon the Edomites uh, during his time and the restoration that's going to come on Israel. We know when Israel goes into captivity in Babylon, that's not the end of the story, right? So that Israel that went into captivity comes back into the land, right? They rebuild the temple because that's the temple Jesus is going to come to, right? We have the restoration of the nation. But now Lord lifts up his head and he and he looks Obadiah looks at all the nations. Because throughout the Old Testament and throughout the Old Testament prophets, You have a pattern laid out of little days of the Lord, little examples of God's judgment nation by nation, people by people. But we know that Scripture tells us there's another day of the Lord coming, right? There will be a final day of the Lord, a final day of judgment. We call it the eschaton. There's a whole group of study devoted to it called eschatology to study the the last days, the events of the last days. And there's no end to the, to the different ideas of what that's going to look like, right? So we want to have grace as we look at that and understand. But the point is the same pride and self-exaltation of Edom is going to be judged for the whole world, for their pride, for their self-exaltation. But in lieu of God's ultimate day of judgment in the day of the Lord, there is a concept that we want to grasp a hold of. And that is this, God's judgment is not his final word. His final word is redemption. Now, there will be judgment. We remember when we read the book of Joel, In the book of Joel talking about the day of the Lord. And he said, hey, the day of the Lord, that's deep darkness. That's a harsh day. There's a lot of judgment that comes out of that. But after the night comes what? The day, right? Remember the Jewish system of doing the day always begins with night. The beginning of the day in the Jewish system, it's a lunar calendar, they start with the night. There's sorrow in the evening, but... Joy comes in the morning. The judgment of the day of the Lord is first and then his redemption. So the glory is coming through or or after the judgment of the day of the Lord. Now there's three books here that are all joined together. Joel, we've seen. Amos, we've seen. Obadiah. We'll take a little break when we go to Jonah. It's gonna be a little different when we look at Jonah uh, starting next next week or the week after. But... We want to remember the lessons of Joel, Amos, and Obadiah. The lesson of Joel is God will save Jerusalem and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How many people? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a direct quote out of the book of Joel. God will, where do we know when Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom, where's it gonna be? Is it Russia? Is it the United States? Is it downtown Europe somewhere he's gonna set it up? Where's he set up his throne? Jerusalem. He's gonna set up his throne in Jerusalem and everyone who trusts in the Lord for salvation will have salvation because we enter into the covenant people of God through faith, right? How was Abraham entered into the covenant people of God? It says Abraham did what? Believe God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And so we see faith being that entrance. Then we saw the book of Amos, that God will raise up the fallen house of David and all the nations, the Goyim, the Gentiles, will be subject to his rule. Now, how did God raise up the house of David? The house of David was done at the Babylonian exile. When there's no nation and no king, there's no king on the throne, right? So we have a promise that God said, there will be a king. I will have an eternal king from the house of David. What's his name? Jesus is the eternal king, right? He's the fulfillment of the promise of the king that would come to Israel and how many nations are gonna to bow to his rule oh. right the Bible says most of the knees every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is what Lord. Lord there's another way to say that Jesus Christ is king that he it's his kingdom and all the nations will be subject to his rule so Joel tells us everyone that calls on his name will be saved. Amos tells us there will be one king that will rule over all the nations and his throne will be the throne of David. And Obadiah tells us there will be a restoration of God's kingdom over Jerusalem and all the nations. There is not a time where we're going to see God's promise of the restoration of Israel that is not followed by the nations all being a part of coming into that relationship. When we look at the, at the nation of Israel and the promises to the nation of Israel, the, those promises to the nation of Israel are going to be fulfilled, and the nation of Israel and all the nations of the world coming those who call upon the name of the Lord. The kingdom of God is not just Israel. Do we understand that? The kingdom of God is how we talked about it. How many knees will bow? How many tongues confess? All right. So we see, we see that the Lord will rule. In fact, in the book of Revelation, we see the banner being stuck into the earth and a declaration made. All the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Amen? So these are the promises That we see. So in Obadiah 15, his eyes lift up, and the Lord now looks not just to Edom, but to the world, to all the nations. So for the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Right? You see, still, the idea, the foundation of judgment is what have you done to your neighbor? How have you existed? Jesus, when he talks about the the delineation between the sheep and the goats, what's going to be the difference between the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25? What did you do to those who were hungry? What did you do to those who were in prison? What did you do to those who were sick? For when you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it to, you did it unto me. So you, are, you either were an example of doing it unto the Lord or not doing it unto the Lord, depending on your response. And so he says, look, as you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though They had never been. The Bible talks about this idea of drinking the cup, the cup of the indignation of the wrath of God. And so you have a picture of it here. In the same way that Israel faced judgment and went to Babylon, God says the nations will drink of this cup as well. It's not just Israel that faced judgment, but all the nations of the world. And as he lifts his eyes and he looks toward the uh, the day of the Lord, the Lord's judgment upon the world, he wants them to understand. Judgment begins in the house of God, but it doesn't end there. That's not the end. He says, you will drink to your full. And the extent of the day of the Lord is global. All the world. Jeremiah 25. He says a similar thing. Jeremiah 25, 30 to 33 You, therefore, shall prophesy against them all these words and say to them, The Lord will roar from on high, from his holy habitation, utter his voice. He will roar mightily against his fold and against those who tread grapes, against all the inhabitants of the earth. The clamor will resound to the ends of the earth, for the Lord has an indictment against the nations. He is entering into judgment with all flesh. And the wicked he will put to the sword, declares the Lord. So when God's judgment comes, all the little judgments that we've seen throughout the Old Testament prophets, when God judges in these smaller judgments, nation by nation, there are always the wicked who perish and who is preserved. The remnant. There's always a remnant. Remember when Elijah runs into the cave and he says, Lord, I'm the only one left. There's nobody left. Right, And the Lord says, no, there are 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. That is a picture of the remnant. Those who have trusted in the Lord. So when the judgment of the day of the Lord comes, Joel will tell us all those who call upon the name of the Lord enter into a special relationship. What's that relationship? Remnant. They're the ones who will carry through. They're the faithful part of Israel or the faithful part of of whatever other nation that may have a remnant. And that remnant will come through the judgment to the end of the judgment or the redemption that the Lord brings. And so he's laying out for them here, look, I'm going to judge all flesh and the wicked will die. Thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, disaster is going forth. From nation to nation. And a great tempest is stirring from the farthest parts of the earth. Those and those pierced by the Lord on that day shall extend from one end of the earth to the other. They will not be lamented or gathered or buried. They shall be as dung on the surface of the ground. So the idea is the wicked that are judged, the rebellious who have, who have uh, rebelled against the Lord... They will be utterly wiped out. You guys have read this story before, right? Anybody familiar with Revelation chapter 19? And the Lord returns in the plains of Megiddo, Har-Mageddon, and you have this battle laid out where he calls all the birds, uh, the carrion-eating birds on the earth. Can you imagine what that day looks like? And every vulture, every carrion-eating bird all flies to the same battlefield. Seems bad, right? There are two dinners. One, there has been invitations that have gone out to. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. The other is called the feast of the great God. In the feast of the great God, all the rebellious, those great and small, they are the meal that the birds will eat. And on the marriage supper of the Lamb, those who have answered the invitation, who have been clothed in white robes by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, they enter in and they will sup together. Right? You remember Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees, said, Tax collectors and prostitutes are going to enter into this feast before you do. Because they could acknowledge their sin, their need for a Savior. And be clothed in the righteousness of Christ, where others would be separated by their own self-exaltation and pride. So that becomes the, the hinge where judgment takes place, right? Those who do not need or do not look for or do not care about the day of the Lord. And so God's going to pour out his vengeance, you, you see the reason for God's vengeance in Revelation chapter 6, don't you? You remember in Revelation chapter 6, there comes a point where the, the, the revelator says, they, they crack the, I think it's the fifth seal, and the voices of the martyrs underneath the throne cry out, how long, O Lord, till you will have vengeance for, on our blood? How long has the rebellious world been slaughtering the righteous of God? You guys remember the first one? They were two brothers. One guy's name was Cain and the other? Abel. And the, the uh, self-righteous or proud or self-exalting one killed his brother, Right? And so you have this. And, and there's a charge that Jesus makes in Israel, but ultimately over the world, right, that all the blood from righteous Abel to Zechariah Barachiah is going to come upon this generation. Because there's a day when the Lord will say, that's it, no more. And so we see the Bible describe it as you have done, It shall be done to you. In Edom's case, as you had done to Israel, the Lord says, I'm going to do to you. In the case of of global judgment, as you have done to the righteous, the Lord says, I will do to you. There is a payday, right? That the righteous judge will come and be a part of. But then he makes a distinction in verse 17. But in Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape. Mount Zion is a way of saying on God's holy mountain, in in the promised land, in the place where the righteous run to, to go be in the strong tower of the Lord, to go to his presence where he is. And so he's saying, look, in Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape, and it shall be holy... And the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob. They're going to be there. This is, their, this is their land. The land of Israel. The land where Messiah will rule. The land of Israel. He's saying, look, this is the place <clears throat> where the righteous will go. Where did we say Messiah would set up his kingdom? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And who will be represented there? Is it only Israel? No, it will be all the righteous. The righteous will go to Mount Zion. There shall be those who shall escape. This contrast between the judged and the remnant who who passes through the judgment. The difference between the sheep and the goats. The difference between those who belong to the Lord and those who do not. And so he's laying out the distinction. Um, And then we see this this picture of deliverance. Joel 2.32, I don't want you to forget this. Joel 2.32 says, It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape. Now, isn't Joe telling us there's more that will be there in that land? It's it's not only Israel that will be saved. When we look at the book of Revelation and we hear about the 144,000, 12,000 each of the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Everybody remember? John says, I heard their number, 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes. He lists them all out. And then John says, and I turned and looked. And what did he see? An innumerable host from where? Every tribe, nation, and tongue, that you have gathered in Mount Zion those who will be saved, those who will call upon the name of the Lord, right? Because Joel said, who? Who can call on the name of the Lord? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion, in Jerusalem, there will be those who escape. As the Lord has said, and among the survivors... Shall be those whom the Lord calls. So the separation of the righteous and the wicked. Well, God knows how to do that, right? God knows those who are his, and they will possess their possessions. The house of Jacob shall have their possessions. Look at verse 18. For the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. And the house of Esau stubble. And they shall burn them and consume them. And there will be no survivor for the house of Esau. The Lord has spoken. So you have the idea that the the tool of God's judgment over Edom is going to be the house of Jacob, is going to be the, the house of Joseph. So you have this picture, the house of Jacob, and the house of Joseph, a picture of probably ultimately the, the nation of Israel, and that will be the source that God uses to judge the nation of Edom. Anybody been to Edom today? Anybody know where Edom is? Jordan. Yeah, Jordan is Edom. Uh, there's property we're going to see in a moment that God talks about And the property that God talks about in Obadiah is the Gaza Strip, the West Bank. Who who has those today? Palestinians, but ultimately under Palestinian control in the land of Israel, right? It's It's kind of a weird situation there. And we'll see where that all plays out. But part of the idea is that God's saying, look, this is going to come to them. Edom will be... Annihilated. Now the land is still there, but you don't run into very many Edomites anymore, do you? He said in Isaiah, in Isaiah 11, verse 10, in that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place will be glorious. Who is the root of Jesse? That's right. Jesus will stand before the peoples. And of him, all the nations shall inquire, right? And so he'll be standing there, it says, And in that day the Lord will extend his hand a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea, He will raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The jealousy of Ephraim will depart and those who harass Judah will be cut off. Ephraim shall not be jealous of Judah. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, no more division. One nation. Uh, The jealousy of Ephraim will depart. Those who harass Judah will be cut off Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah. Judah will not harass Ephraim, but they will swoop down on the shoulder of the Philistines in the west, and together they will plunder the people of the east. They shall put out their hand against Edom and Moab, and the Ammonites shall obey them. Zechariah 12, verse 6, it says, Now on that day I will make the clans of Judah like a blazing pot in the midst of wood like a flaming torch among the sheaves and they will devour to the right and to the left all the surrendering or all the surrounding peoples while Jerusalem shall again be inhabited in its place in Jerusalem. So you have the promise of God's restoration to the nation of Israel, which will face God's judgment. They go into exile in Babylon and they come out and will reestablish themselves in the land. Uh, And so we have that promise laid out. Now, Obadiah verse 19 says, Now those of the Negev shall possess Mount Esau. Those of Cephalus shall possess the land of the Philistines. They will possess the land of Ephraim. (coughs) Excuse me, the land of Samaria. And Benjamin shall possess Gilead. And the exiles of this host of the people of Israel will possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath, and the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Sepharad shall possess the cities of Negev. Now some of these cities, people are there's not an agreement necessarily where all of them are. But some of the better scholarship would say, basically we're talking about all the disputed lands of Israel today. That those would be the possession again of Israel. Now, I don't know what tomorrow holds, and or the day after that, or the day after that, but the Bible lays out for us: Hey, this is this will come back under uh, Israel's borders. Now, I believe these things did occur when Israel came back into the land after the Babylonian captivity. As they grew, as they established themselves, God gave them favor. But we're going to probably spend. The rest of our lives, figuring out how each one of the particular prophecies plays out. There will be those who speculate in the future, those who speculate in the past. But the point is, God knows how to deliver the righteous in judgment and to bring the wicked under judgment. And that same thing will be true on the last day of judgment. Right? God doesn't miss He's not going to go, you know, I'm, it's today's the day I'm going to judge all the wicked. Oops, I got a couple righteous guys in there. The Lord knows how to deliver the righteous. The Lord knows those who are his, and he is able to accomplish all his purpose. Then verse 21 of Obadiah, he says, Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau. And the kingdom shall be whose? The Lord's. So we know, right, there will be a day. Now, according to Peter, in the second chapter of Acts, as he delivers his message, the first message of Pentecost, he makes the declaration that Jesus Christ is seated on the throne now in heaven. But we know there will be a day when he will seat, sit on the throne on earth. Right? That there will be the king will come to his kingdom. The king will come. So there is a sense in which the kingdom of God has begun, but it's not fully realized until the king's here. Right? The work's been done, the price has been paid. There's not another sacrifice that needs to happen, right? Jesus has completed that work. Now, as we move forward, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth been given to me so what did he tell us to do go do what make disciples of who every nation right to go out and make disciples of every nation take the gospel to the ends of the earth until the day we see the king face to face because there will be a day the king will return just so you know Everybody agrees, every orthodox believer on earth believes that there is a day when Jesus Christ will return. Right? The Bible teaches he will return. The kingdom will be the Lord's. And in the meantime, we as stewards of what Christ has been victorious over, we do our job, right? We go take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to whoever will hear whoever because whosoever will call on the name of the Lord you've heard that before haven't you you just might not have remembered it was in Joel but it's in other places too isn't it we see that that phrase repeated so that we can know so that we can have our hope and trust in Jesus Christ for from Mount Zion Right? There is a place on earth God said, I put my name there. That's my place. Trust me, if you come with us to Israel, you will wonder what in the world everybody's fighting over. Because it's, a, a, a just, it's just a pile of rocks. Except that God has put his name there. And everybody would like it. But the Lord says, Who does it belong to? He says, It's mine. That's mine. And I will. Rule all the world from Mount Zion. The kingdom shall be the Lord's. Zechariah 14.9 says this. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. How much of the earth? All the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one. And his name, one. The Lord will be king of all the earth. So we look at these these smaller books of prophecy and we see judgment, 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 judgment. Remember, those things are laying out for us a pattern. And that pattern is something important for us to hold on to. That there will be a day when God rules from earth, that he will sit on the throne We know that there will be a day in which all who have called on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we know that the Lord will rule the kingdom. The Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one God. So it's a beautiful picture of how God's going to bring all of those pieces together. And as we look now, It'll be a little bit different when we look at Jonah, but as we look, just keep in mind that picture. Little judgments are small pictures of big, the big judgment. The pattern holds all the way through the Old Testament into the eschaton, to the last day, until Jesus rules and reigns. Amen? Why don't you guys stand with me let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time that we can spend in your word. We thank you for the truth of scriptures, God, for the message that Obadiah teaches us. Lord, you have a purpose, you have a plan. You are working your purpose and plan out in the world. There will be a day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. You will rule from Jerusalem. The throne will be seated there, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the kingdom of our great God and Savior. And as we see your judgment over the nations in the past, we recognize that there will be a day of judgment yet to come. The wicked will be judged. The righteous will be redeemed. But the righteous are made righteous by being clothed in the robe of Jesus Christ. For he who knew no sin became our sin sacrifice that we might become the righteousness of God. So the story is told that the king invited people to the wedding supper. And many said they didn't want to come. But those who did come will be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And they will enter into his kingdom, to his place, to his time. There will be day that we will see a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem come down out of heaven, built on the foundation of the tribes of Israel and on the faithfulness of the apostles of God. Because, well, they're the ones through whom you have brought that perfect work of salvation. So, Lord, I just pray you help us to see, help us recognize the perfect work that you're doing, the work that you're accomplishing in and through it all. For we want to glorify you in it. We want to magnify you, Lord, for you are worthy. Just as the word declares in Revelation 4 and 5, worthy is the lamb who was slain for he has made a people he has brought righteousness to him goes power and honor and glory salvation is his Lord God we give you praise glory honor for all that has been done for he alone is worthy glory majesty dominion authority forever and ever amen